Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Chris Parkhurst has worked in the television, film, and commercial production industries since 2004. In 2013, Chris released his first independent documentary, Journey to Kathmandu, which was shot entirely in Nepal. Currently, he's in post with his film, Elvis of Cambodia, which is slated for a late 2018 release through his own production company. Chris is the host of the Documentary Life podcast, a show that sets out to inspire and inform other filmmakers on how to best live and lead their own documentary lives. He's also the founder of the brand-new the Documentary Academy website, an extensive online course that's made specifically for documentary filmmakers by documentary filmmakers. It's a course that guides you through the planning, funding, and sharing of your documentary films. And Carol, I understand you are a big fan of Chris and you subscribe to the Documentary Live podcast. Yes, I do, Claire, because Chris has some very interesting and educational information for us on a weekly basis. That's a lot of work, Chris, right? Oh, yeah. And thank you for that introduction, both of you. Uh, uh, it's an honor to be on, 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 on the program today. It's, uh, I have to say right at the outset, it is a little bit nerve-wracking for me, as you, as you know yourself, Carol, because, of course, you've been on, on our podcast, The Documentary Life. Uh, we are a pre-recorded podcast, and we do all sorts of, of editing, and so we're live today, and uh, I am not used to that, and I'm certainly not used to being the one fielding uh, questions, I guess. Well, just relax. We're going to have a wonderful time because we want to cover a lot today. First of all, we want to know more about your films and the future production of your own creations. Then we want to know about the documentary life and the documentary academy. So let's start with when and how documentaries became a part of your life. Wow, um, I you know I would ha- it would go back a little while. I, I in another life I had uh, I worked in in radio and, and initially that's what I went to to university for was was for broadcasting, and uh, at some point it really didn't take that long working in the radio industry um, that uh, I became pretty disenchanted with commercial radio, and at at, at that point I um. I guess I turned my 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 uh I guess I turned direction towards towards filmmaking and for the longest time I I had these big dreams and envisioned myself sort of um really the next I don't know I, I think I hope to be like the next Oliver Stone or, or Lars von Trier um I was very much into uh sort of uh, the narrative the narrative form of filmmaking. And so I really thought that features was going to be my thing. Um, in fact, in the early 2000s, I, uh, I wrote and directed and, and edited and produced uh, a digital feature um, called Cascades. 
uh, very few people have actually seen Cascades. And I suppose anyone out there who hears about this could search for it and find it on the Internet. I kind of hope they don't, but <laughs> <laughs> but but I very much was into um, storytelling uh, in, 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 in terms of filmmaking. I was very much into the indie filmmaking thing, but it wasn't documentaries at all. It was feature films. And at some point around... I guess it was 2003. Uh, I had finished the Digi, the Digi feature probably the year prior, still trying to figure out, okay, well, this is definitely what I want to do with my life. I want to make films. I feel like that's that's my way of expression. That's what I was born to do. But I was frustrated for years trying to find a way into the film industry. I just really had no clue at that. And at that time I was in Portland, Oregon, where I don't live there today. We actually uh, sold house last year, but I had lived off and on in Portland, Oregon for almost 20, probably around 25 years. And so back in 2003, I was, I was working in the hotel industry industry. I was absolutely miserable. I was the classic sort of uh, starving artist, though I wasn't quite starving because I, at least I had a full-time job. I was I was supervising a valet staff, if you can believe that. And uh, I was sharing a house with another filmmaker in Portland, and he actually owned the house. So he was he was my housemate, but he was also my landlord. And I remember uh, early on that summer, or I guess it was midsummer. He approached me, and I knew that I knew that he'd, he'd had a, a documentary in the works. And in fact, he had been award, awarded a Fulbright scholarship to go spend six months filming in Cambodia on his documentary on his wow. documentary project. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, right? Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And he he sat me down one day and he said, you know, Chris, I don't know if this is something that you'd be interested in. Um, I've seen your, you know, I, I know you're you're a filmmaker yourself, and and it, you've been trying to get into the industry, and you have a passion for it. Um, I, I don't know if you'd ever be interested in this, but I may have an opportunity for you because my sound guy in L.A. It turns out his schedule is conflicting now. I don't think he's going to be able to go with me. Would you ever be interested in maybe, uh, you know, leaving for six months and you could do that? You could be the sound engineer and I would be responsible for our visuals. He would he would shoot the thing. And uh, and then then he said, you know, I I mean, I don't know if you want to leave Portland or your job at the hotel. And I just kind of looked at him like he was insane. And it took me all of five seconds to just sort of blurt out. Are you kidding me? Of course, (laughs) I would love to leave what I'm doing here. I'm completely unhappy with this. I, I would love to go help you work on a film and 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 then the you know the rest is sort of history and obviously you know we can get to that but i would spend 6 months working 6 days a week you know 12 to 15 hour long days in oh, cambodia yeah. a place oh that i knew nothing about um at at that that point in time and uh that tra- that very much um would change the trajectory of 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 my life absolutely well, I can imagine if you put if you your first job was a, a hard working uh, twelve to fifteen hour day shoot most of the time, you do have to love this business because you can't put up with that on a continuing basis without burning out. So right. you you took a leap of faith there to walk away from a good job and jump into something where you really knew you'd have to start from the ground up to learn everything, right? 
I mean, I, I guess, yeah, it's easy looking back, you know, to, to say that, but, you know, as I even described, you know, sort of in that anecdote that I shared, it, it took me no time. It, it was a no brainer when he asked me if I wanted to do that because I was unhappy with my job. That's not, I didn't want to be working in the service industry or in, in the hotel industry. I really wanted to find my way into film. I just didn't have any idea really what that looked like or how that would come about. And so I feel incredibly fortunate that this opportunity presented itself. And you know what, uh, Carol, there was no way in hell I was going to let that opportunity slip by. Of course not. Oh, how lucky for you. Well, tell us uh, why Southeast Asia has become an important part in your documentary work. Is this ongoing now? You're still working over there? It, it absolutely is. Um, it's become a very important part of my life. Uh, in particular, two countries. Of course, the, the I, I mentioned Cambodia. I've, you know, after spending that six months, you know, working on on this documentary called Bomb Hunters. After working on that, and then being hired to edit the film afterwards, uh, I, I I fell in love with documentary, and I fell in love with yeah Southeast Asia, um, and and Cambodia in particular. Uh, I've been you know going to since 2004. Rarely does a year or two at Tops go by where I'm either not visiting or working on a commercial venture or, or a documentary film over there. And so Cambodia has definitely become a home away from, from home for me. And then there's Nepal. Um, I, I was trekking in, I don't know, maybe I think 2006 and uh, was on, you know, a 15-day trek in Nepal. And fell you know, in love with that region of the world as well and the culture and the people. And that would be, you know, the impetus for my sort of my own first uh, documentary film journey to Kathmandu. So, so yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I can't go very long without really kind of sort of getting in touch uh, if you will, with, with my, I like to say my Southeast Asian roots, but I've, of course I'm as American and white as anybody. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it has such an, an immense draw for me, and, and it really it starts with the people and the culture, and then as you or any filmmaker really can appreciate um, the exploration of of cultures and exploration of doc filmmaking, and that's what keeps me not only telling these stories um, and, and and filming as a doc filmmaker, but but of course also retor- returning to parts of the world where where I, I really enjoy working. So you are making your living through documentaries now? <laughs> That's a, that is a very, very interesting, interesting question, Carol. Um, let me answer that by saying yes, and then let me also answer that by saying no. It's, uh, it is very much kind of depending on what's happening in many ways in my life. Um, it, it, it kind of fluctuates. So I work both commercially and and in the documentary realms. Right now, it's at about, I would say, you know, uh, my income is, is about 50-50. Um, for most of the time that I've worked in the industry, it's been a much more uneven split. So say 80% of my income has come from the commercial and, and corporate gigs, and then, um, and then uh, the other 20% coming from documentary work. I've worked, um, and, and, and I have to say that I'm, I'm extremely thankful for the commercial work because it does allow me and, and we're obviously, you know, we'll get to this, you know, probably here in short order um, with the podcast and the documentary life working in commercial 
has allowed me to be able to pursue my documentary dreams and my passions and to be able to create the stories and the films that I want to do. And so um, it's important to me. Now, yes, uh, I, I am certainly trying to, at all, at all times, I'm trying to sort of sway the pendulum in the other direction. So I would love at some point to be able to make my, I suppose, my full-time living from documentary work. Um, but that's just not, not possible right now. And certainly not with a family, a family to, to support, you know, we have a two and a four year old. So, uh, yeah. Um, um, but again, I'm thankful for the commercial work and I do continue to do both commercial, commercial work and doc work right now. I'm in the middle of, um, I've been hired to, to edit, uh, somebody else's feature length documentary and it's a wonderful story and, and I'm very thankful for that work. Um, so yeah, I really do. Yeah. I I live in both the commercial and doc world for sure. Okay. So you, this is through Barong Films, your company, right? It is. In fact, when, when I began initially Barong Films, I, I fully intended it to be, I guess you would call it NGO and nonprofit work, um, doing work in developing countries in Asia I came across a lot of naturally NGOs, non-governmental organizations, as well as nonprofits. And I really liked the stories. Well, I really liked what they were doing in countries, the work that they were doing. And I got a lot of satisfaction out of, out of telling their stories. And so I really intended with Barong Films to kind of be exclusively that kind of work. Now, as much as I loved working with NGOs and nonprofits, it didn't, it, it didn't, I didn't find a way for it to be sustainable for me. I know that others have. Um, there are sustainable model, models for doing such, uh, but I was not able to do that. And so we definitely had to pivot at some point, and Brong Films began to embrace more commercial and documentary work. Now, one thing I should say, Carol, is Barong Films now is, I guess we could say it's exclusively the documentary work. That's what we funnel the work through. Now, I work also, um, and you may have picked this up in the conversation, I work also freelance. So my sort of bread and butter for years was as an editor. So I came from an editing and a storytelling background, which has since helped not only my overall sort of filmmaking skills, but I I then became... I then started getting hired as a camera op and then as a DP. And so it's funny. It's worked for me, Carol, and it's worked against me. And what I mean by that is when people think of me, they think of me maybe as a filmmaker or as a doc filmmaker. And they also, but depending on who I do work for, they might see me as, oh, yeah, Chris, Chris Parkhurst, he's an editor. Or Chris Parkhurst, he's a shooter. Um, Chris Parkhurst, he's a director. Uh, and so but it's also worked against me because it's kind of sort of split the energies, if that makes sense. So I can wear a number of hats. I'm pretty adequate at all those hats, but I'm not an expert, I think, in anyone. And so it's worked for me and against me. But but I wouldn't I guess I wouldn't have it any other way because it definitely has made me the filmmaker, right? The overall filmmaker that I am today. Right. I, I'll tell you, I love a DP who knows editing because then yeah. I'm in yeah. heaven. You know they're going to get everything they need plus, you know, because right. uh, right. I used to sell film to some of the top DPs. And a lot of them years ago came to me when they first got in the country or they first started shooting and 
and they bought short ends, and then they went on to become Academy Award winners and things. So I know how That's right. uh, there's a big difference there for uh, those um, gentlemen who sh- or women and men who shoot all the time and those who know how to edit because there's, you have to make sure you have everything to edit with, particularly for a doc. That's a whole different mindset. So mm. well done. Mm. That would make you really uh- valuable. I but, couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think I think you know if there is a piece of advice for doc filmmakers out there that maybe are just getting started, I I can't stress enough the importance and the value in getting yourself in the edit room with your work or someone else's work because as you're as you're saying Carol it really gives you an appreciation for not only how stories overall can be told but then if, if, when you do find yourself in production, whether it's directing or whether it's shooting, you have an appreciation for what is going to be needed later on to best tell the story. And that is an, an infinitely valuable skill to have. I couldn't agree more, Carol. Right. Well, now, how do people reach you for commercial or documentary work? So if one wanted to, for instance, view the type of work that I do, um, whether it's uh, whether shooting or, or directing or editing, you would go to chrisparkers.com. And that's my name, of course, chrisparkers.com. And that's really basically a reel of work that I have done. If you wanted to approach me with a, a, um, a production to do, or if you wanted a commercial or a documentary done as a production, we would do that through our company. And that's my wife, Stephanie's, and my company, Barong Films. And that's, it looks like Barang, but it's actually Barong Films. So it's B-A-R-A-N-G films.com. And that word actually, Barong, which again, looks like Barang to a Westerner. The word Barong actually came from it's a Khmer or a Cambodian word for foreign or foreigner. And so uh, when, when you go to a place like Cambodia, you stand out like a sore thumb simply because <laughs> you're a white person. And, right. and, 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 and yeah, or a Westerner, I should say, does. And, and, and you will often have, you know, people pointing or giggling and they're like, barang, barang. And, uh, and, and it just means foreigner. It, it, it used to mean, I think, specifically French person. It may even be a French word for all I know. But in Cambodia, barong is the word really to describe a tourist or a foreigner. And I thought, hey, how about this? Let's loosely call it foreign films. We'll go barong films. <laughs> so that's where that came that's from. That's great. Okay, wonderful. Now let's get into uh, the documentary life. I'd like to know Yay. what's the mission of documentary life? Well, um, I, I guess as, as, as Claire sort of introduced early on um, – Really, and and we intro the podcast, the Documentary Life podcast. We intro it as a show that we like to say it sets out to inspire and inform other filmmakers on how to best live and lead this idea of documentary lives. And and you know when I first started the Documentary Life, it wasn't a podcast at all. Um, it was I think we were just over two years into production on our. Well, it's still our current documentary production, Elvis of Cambodia. And and at the time, it was around Christmas. And I guess it would be about two years ago at this point. We were working on Elvis of Cambodia, but we found ourselves really unable to move forward with it for a number of reasons. Certainly finances and resources. Uh, we were in Portland, Oregon, and, and we were expanding our family. We had a two-year-old Flynn at that time. 
and and we were pregnant with our second Maya. And we were really trying to juggle, you know, okay, how do we do this thing? How do we live our passions? Now, my wife, Steph, um, she she's from the UK, and she worked for years in feature in the feature film industry um, as a second AD and then as an as an assistant director. I actually met her, if you can believe this. I met Steph on a job in Malaysia that I was shooting for, <laughs> <in Steph. laughs> and she was wow. working in. Asia on feature films. So we That's ended romantic, up getting, Chris. You it, had to go all the way crazy. around the world to find her. It's true. It's true. It was definitely two people with some very common interests and um and and crazy passions for traveling and cultures and film. And uh and and a few oh. years later we just kept in touch and then we met up actually in Cambodia to do a film short because she was still working in Southeast Asia. And from that point, we, we hit it off. And, and really, it truly wasn't long after that that we got married. Steph moved to Portland. We got pregnant with Flynn. And then we are where I'm about to pick up the, the story again here two years later. I thought, you know what? This is a crazy life that we lead. I need to document this somehow. I'm going to write a blog. Uh, I love writing. I always have. I've always kept journals. And I started writing a blog, and I called it The Documentary Life. And honestly, it was within a few weeks of writing the blog that I think I was probably listening to some podcasts, and I got inspired by the idea of a podcast. And, and I think this was very much a culmination of not only where we were in our lives at that point, um, both career and personally, and uh, I was looking back and, and I thought, you know what, podcasts, these are, I, I'm, I'm into it. I really like the power of podcasts. And I'd had a radio background. And I felt like in many ways, it was like a return to my roots um, with radio. And I kind of brought radio and, and doc filmmaking together in a way that I could create a podcast um, that initially was a blog. And I, I, I created a podcast called The Documentary Life. And that was two years ago, um, and we've been doing it ev- ever since. Now, I-, I should say, now that I've given you sort of the how, the, the how it began version, again, it's I do the podcast, or I should say we, because Steph now produces with me, to inspire and inform people. And when I say people, it's, it's doc filmmakers, other like-minded people, really how to you know live and lead this idea of a documentary life. And so... Something that I have discovered along the way, Carol, is sort of in my commercial background, one of the things that I have found, whether it's, you know, working in TV, whether it's working in feature films or commercials, certainly, of course, when I was based out of Portland, Oregon, very quickly became connected with almost everybody that worked in the commercial industry in Portland. And that happens that networking just sort of naturally happens because if you want to keep working, quite frankly, you need to know the people that do what you do. You need to know the departments. You need to know who works in camera, who works in art department, who are the grip and electrics. And if you want to get hired, you need to know who the producers are. You need to know who the production managers and the coordinators in town are. And, and so you naturally, because for survival purposes, you just, you just quickly become connected and, Unfortunately, in the doc world, we have found something vastly different from that. Doc filmmakers tend to be some of the more isolated people that you will meet in the film industry. 
um, we often work on our on our films ourselves. We're not that we're networked. Um, you know, yeah. I yeah. can't tell you how many times, Carol, in Portland, somebody, a friend or a colleague or somebody that I, that I met, they might ask if I knew so and so. Now, if they worked in features, if they worked commercially in Portland, ninety nine percent of the time, I knew exactly who they were working, uh, who they were speaking about, and and I, and I'd worked with them right a number of times. Now, the reverse, if somebody in Portland said, oh, hey, Chris, you're into doc filmmaking. I know somebody, I know a doc filmmaker here in town. Nine times out of 10, I had no idea who that person was. Oh, and that amazing. Kind of me. That, that really concerned me, Carol, because of all the types of filmmakers that you'll come across, I think it's the doc filmmakers now. Again, I've already mentioned this sort of isolated aspect, but we're the ones that are really, and you know this very well, Carol, yourself, we're the ones in need of, of resources and networking and finances more than anybody. Exactly. And so, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Because and I really, you have the most important stories to tell. You're the, you are the changers. You change belief systems. You improve our lives. We have to know who you are and, and fund you. Mm, mm, mm. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right, Carol. And and I wanted to I wanted the podcast to be a way to make other doc filmmakers around the world feel more connected. I wanted a platform that people could come to where they could not only get inspiration and information, but but ultimately I wanted people to feel connected and I wanted an exchange of ideas. And man, yes. has that really ever happened with this show. Great. That's so important. I, I want to quote Lily Tomlin because she has a saying, and it really fits documentarians. That is, we're all in this boat alone together. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that sounds like documentary <laughs> filmmakers right there, Carol. I might have to find that quote and use that because that, that is doc filmmakers. That's You're perfect. all in there. Yes, but nobody knows who the other one is because they're all out there working on their own. And so you're absolutely right, creating this networking thing. Well, tell me, what do you, is your vision for the documentary life? Where do you think it will be in a few years? Yeah, yeah. I think... I think it will continue to be a place. It will continue to be a podcast. Now, we've evolved, Carol, from up until last July, we had been a biweekly, a biweekly podcast, so twice a month. And those two episodes were split up into I would do one episode a month entirely hosted by myself um, on a given topic. And then the other episode would be a full episode conversation with a doc industry guest. In July of, well, 2017, last summer, we became a full-blown a full blown weekly podcast. And we set the podcast up in a way where I do, an, I do a segment every episode, and it's followed by a conversation with a doc industry guest. I see that continuing on a weekly basis. I see the listenership continuing to grow. Um, I, you know, one of the things that I really sort of the higher umbrella vision that I have always had is this, again, this idea of, of bringing a 
a, a networking, a global community of doc filmmakers. And I really do want to stress global because that is something really important that has and gratifying that has come out of this podcast, Carol, is that there are doc filmmakers. There are storytellers every corner of the world that you can imagine now. And, and due to technology, we're all, if we want, we're connected now. And I really love this idea of, a, of an exchange and a sharing of ideas on a global scale with other doc filmmakers. You know, we are, we are currently downloaded the last time I checked, Carol, in over 130, uh, over 130 countries, including, you know, our, our biggest listenership um, kind of naturally is the U.S., followed by the U.K., Canada, Australia, and then check this out. Our fifth most downloaded country is, of all places, Bosnia-Herzegovina. It's very interesting. <laughs> and, then, and then followed by Japan. So we really, truly have listeners all over the globe. And I would like to see with this podcast um, the continued networking. And then, and then, you know, we have now a, a, a TDL, which is short for the Documentary Life Community face, uh, Facebook group page. I guess we probably put that up I don't within a year ago, I guess. And to see that, that has really become sort of this 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 little this vision that I had when I started the podcast, which was this again, this idea of connecting doc filmmakers. If you join or if you go to the the community Facebook, the Documentary Life Community Facebook group page, and you were to join that today and you got in there, it has taken a life of its own. Steph and I used to have to really get in there and introduce topics. Um, you know, uh, uh, put, you know, put, put uh, post, you know, really social media up there, you know, viable content on the Facebook page and, and introduce filmmakers there. And it has really taken a life on of its own. Again, filmmakers from around the world get on this community Facebook group page and they're sharing their films. They're sharing their suggestions, their requests for information. They're sharing footage. They're um, inspiring one another. And man, that's, <laughs> I hope that does nothing but continue to grow and grow. And I, I absolutely believe it's possible. Um, and, and, and because I've heard it, the feedback that we get from the show is incredible. Okay, two, so, two so, things. Uh, the Facebook yeah. page then is, is called, uh, what do we look for? The Documentary Life? I think, it, it, well, of course, there's a, there's a there is a Documentary Life Facebook page, but what you would want to search is the Documentary Life Community Facebook group. That's what you community would want to look for. Facebook yeah, group. The keyword there would be community, because then that will you'll realize that the page is a group. Okay, and let's talk about uh, these countries that you're downloaded in. How does that happen? You're on iTunes and Stitcher, and where are you? I, we're on certainly all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, you know, if you, uh, you could search us on Google. You could search documentary podcasts, and obviously you could search the documentary life. We are in iTunes. Um, it's easy to subscribe there or Stitcher or any of the podcast apps that you may have. Of course, you know, we'd encourage you to go to the documentarylife.com website. Um, that is chock full of all of our, you know, our archive of we're up to 74 episodes now. Um, you can see all the guests and the topics that we talk about. You could subscribe from there. Um, those are probably your, your, the easiest and, and best ways to do it. Okay. 
Um, and so, and reaching all of these people all over the world is just a wonderful thing. Thank you very much. What a great achievement. Now, uh, let's get into, um, I know I just noticed that you put a lot of time into editing these interviews, and you do an excellent job. Do you have a sponsor to help you with the cost? Good question, good question. We do have a sponsor, and in fact, only very recently took a sponsor a sponsorship on. And, and you know, I, we thought long and, and hard about this. And, and the truth of the matter is, Carol, that, at least it's our belief that we need to be very selective if and who we would bring on for sponsorship slots. The thing is, there's a trust that we've been building up over the past two years with the podcast. And, and I take that very seriously. You know, I'm not going to come on the podcast and uh, I can't very, I can't with a straight face come on the podcast and, and sell toothpaste or, or delivered meals or, or um, you know, audio books to people. It just, it's not going to, it just doesn't, one, it doesn't feel right to us. And so we're very, very conscientious uh, or I guess conscious about the people or sponsorships that we'd, we would bring on. We're really happy with the deal that we've recently made with a company out of Canada called blackbox.global. It's currently a stock photo agency, though it's very quickly evolving into some bigger and, and, and fascinating things. For, um, for the film industry. Uh, we know the, the CEO and filmmaker himself, Pat McGowan, pretty well. And, uh, and, and we, we felt like he would be a perfect sponsor in, in, in many, many ways for, for the Documentary Life audience. Um, and and we run that sponsorship every other week. So we do, we do have another slot. We're taking our time with it, but we do have another slot for anybody who's interested in a sponsorship and thinks that... Um, the documentary life audience is it would be right for um, for a sponsorship, and then of course um, we would take our time and 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 consider them very seriously. But yeah, we do have a sponsor, and um, and 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 we're quite happy with them. Great. Well, I think this is important, and there's certainly a way to go forward because mm. you're the gift you're giving of knowledge and education. And inspiration is most valuable to all of us. So, uh, uh, yes, look for more sponsors. <laughs> I think that is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, and it's something that I even encourage doc filmmakers to get over, which is this idea of, you know, we shouldn't be paid for the good work that we do or the art that we create. And I totally disagree with that wholeheartedly and if anybody out there who's listening is a doc filmmaker or an independent filmmaker um get over that man because because it's important if you want your livelihood in any way attached if you want your livelihood in any way attached to what you do as a filmmaker then it's time to really get on board with this idea of finding ways to make money doing it um you can do it without being cheesy you can do it without being over the top the way I described the way we brought on a sponsorship is is a perfect way. You know, align yourself with the people that you believe in um, and that believe in you. And, and, and hopefully you can't go wrong from there. So, yes, yes, thank you. This is great. Yes, I totally agree with you because I'm on the other side where uh, yeah. I help people get grants through from the heart. And one woman got a small grant, $5,000, and she called me and said, Carol, I, I have to spend some money on my rent, my car payment from this money. Is that okay? And I said, yeah. of course. 
<laughs> you pay yourself first. That's my statement. That's my motto. Pay yourself first because if you're not taken care of, how can you produce films? You have to do that. So because they put themselves in the budget and they put it in too low to begin with, and then yeah. they don't pay themselves until the last right. one. And in the meantime, right. they're under an, an immense amount of stress. So we, uh, yes, you're absolutely right. Now, let me know. Talk to me about some of the guests you had on the program. Well, it's funny with what you just said. It reminded me of a, of a, a fairly recent guest that we had on, Steve James. Um, and, and I should preface this by saying, please go to the Documentary Life website and, and find out for yourself who we've had on the program because <laughs> it's incredible the people and the conversations that we've had um, or that I've been able to, to have. It, it has truly been an honor. And I'll name a few. But again, do yourself a favor and find out for yourself, anybody that's listening to this and, and is interested in exploring it more. Um, you talk about making money from, from what you do, and in particular here, a craft as a documentary filmmaker. One of the few people that we've had on the program who makes his entire living doing documentary work is the well-known Steve James. And anybody who is, is into doc films or is a doc filmmaking maker themselves probably knows the name Steve James. He was responsible for Hoop Dreams, which back in 95, that was a very instrumental film in inspiring a whole host of people to do not only um, documentary work, but independent filmmaking work. Hoop Dreams was a big one. And then very recently, we had Steve on the program. Um, and in fact, it was kind of neat because we had him on we ran the show literally two days before he had been, uh, before he was to, to go to the Academy Awards this year because he had finally, mercifully, <laughs> been, uh, been nominated uh, for Best Documentary on um, his film Abacus, Small Enough to Jail. And so it was an incredible honor to have him on the program. And, and it's a great conversation. And among other things, one of the things he does say is, you know, yes, I am fortunate enough to make my entire living doing documentary work, but there's a reason that is, that, that has happened. Um, yes, I've been fortunate along the way, and I've, got, I've caught some breaks, but, you know, when we do our film projects, the number one thing we do when we're filling out our budgets is you better believe that when we do our breakdowns and our, we do our, our line items, we're making sure that we pay ourselves because – we view it as such, you know, this isn't some artsy thing that we do on the side. This is how <laughs> no. we make our livelihoods and we believe yeah. in what we do. Um, so Steve James is a great example of somebody who we recently had on the program. We also had on, and this is kind of actually a personal highlight for me. I don't know that it was a big name or a highlight for other people, but we had a, a gentleman by the name of, of Nick Hitchin. Now, Carol, I don't know if you remember this incredible doc series that came out. It came out in the late 50, mid to late 50s, and they've been filming this documentary series called the Up Series or the 7-Up Series oh, I every love seven it. years. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I've seen it, it all. They, they follow these. Well, they were, you know, seven years old in, in schools around around the UK, and I think they're up to 56 up. So they're eight films into it, and they revisit these people every seven years. One of my favorite characters was a gentleman by the name of Nick Hitchin, and he is, uh, well, of course, he's throughout the series, and it just occurred to me, you know what, I can, why not use this platform to try to reach out to somebody like that and have a, a, a particular show 
we won't talk about, I mean, of course, we'll talk about doc filmmaking, but instead of, instead of it coming from the point of view of behind the camera, let's talk about what doc filmmaking is like for the subjects. Let's get yes. their point of view. Yes. And I thought, That's who fun. better than to have a guy who's been doing it for 49 to 56 years? And so yeah. that was a real pleasure having Nick Nick Hitchin on the program. Um, last week we had on uh, Jean Umansky, who is an Oscar-nominated sound engineer. He was actually nominated for an Oscar for his work on, on Amelie. And he's, he's a French filmmaker who is able to also work between both documentary and commercial um, you know, one thing that I want to point out, and I know that you can appreciate this on a couple of levels, Carol, is it should be it should be said that the topics and the guests that we have on the program are very one, they're very audience driven. We listen to our listeners. We want to know what they're challenged with as doc filmmakers. But the thing is, we want to know what they we want to know what they're challenged with, not only making their doc films, but also in their doc lives. And that's a big, that's a big part of the documentary life. And so what that means, Carol, is of course we talk about the how-to aspects of doc filmmaking, but that really is only, that's half the conversation because the other half, we really want to discuss the lifestyle, the lifestyle aspect that's connected with living and leading your documentary life. And so we have guests on the program or we talk about, you know, in my segments, things like what's it mean, you know, what does it mean to be a freelancer or what are other avenues of revenue streams to keep you living that doc life? Um, So we talk about personal and professional finances. We talk about how do you have a family when you do work overseas? You know, when we were doing Elvis of Cambodia, you know, Flynn was 10 months old and we were living in Cambodia. You know, that's to a lot of people, that's crazy. But you know what? To doc (laughs) filmmakers, and you know this, Carol, we talked about this before the program started. That's what we do. That's what we that's how we have to do it. And so we talk about those those sorts of things. Um, Yeah. Well, what's the response from the community? They must love these programs. I mean, I, I not to be dramatic, but I have been honestly, I have been awed and 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 overwhelmed by the response. You know, when I first started doing a podcast, all the material that I was reading and and all the tutorials online that I was watching, it always stressed that hey, there's going to be negative feedback. That's just the nature of putting yourself out there in the world. And certainly with the internet today, everybody has an opinion and there's unlimited ways in which they can express that opinion. And so all the education that I was doing, sort of arming myself before setting out to do the podcast, let me know, look, hey, there's going to be negative feedback. Take it with a grain of salt. Learn from it. In fact, maybe reach directly out to these people and, um, and make it a learning experience. And here's the thing, Carol, and I, I swear to you, we have never once received a negative piece of feedback. Oh, wow. yeah, I'm jinxing myself. <laughs> Bring it on, guys. That's yeah, good. It's good. That's great. But, but we haven't. It's just been overwhelming positivity. And honestly, that may be less about the show, Carol, and maybe more about the testament to doc filmmakers who are a very supportive bunch. We're a supportive bunch. You know, and so I get letters, you know, we get letters of support and gratitude 
all the time. You know, just the other day I got I got a letter, for example, uh, 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 an email I should say from from a guy who works. Uh, he's in Phil, he's in Philadelphia, and I, I felt like he's maybe in his mid thirties. He may have mentioned that in the email, and he was having a total sort of a he had had an existential crisis, if you will, a year or two ago, and made a huge change in his life and decided, you know what? I need to live out my dreams. I want to become a doc filmmaker. And so he went back to school and he's writing me and he's explaining to me, I've just recently discovered your podcast. It's a godsend. You know, I put myself back in school in Philly. I I work overnights stocking shelves at a supermarket to get myself through to support myself to get this education and I listen to your podcasts every you know I've listened to your whole catalog while I'm stocking <laughs> shelves and I'm just like that you know I'm I'm so That's humbled great. by that that's the best I mean that guy's living his 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 doc life you know yeah. uh, we have we have there's 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 a a young woman out of the United Arab, Arab of Emirates. I, I email with her all of the time, uh, Machida or Maggie, as some people in the, t- uh, the TDL community Facebook group know her. She's a filmmaker um, based out of the UAE. In fact, she's currently doing a film in Jordan. I have an Iraqi war veteran who, who retired from the military in his mid-40s, and he's like, you know what? I decided I'm going to tap into creativity. I want to do doc films, and I want to tell some of these stories that I have experienced for years that are not being told. And, and it's people like that that are, that are reaching out to us, thanking us for the content that we're doing. And, um, and, and really, that's what that, – that it very much is what propels us week in, week out to do this because it is, as you know yourself, it's a lot of work producing a podcast. And yes. um, it's people like this that, that keep us going. Well, tell us how people can sign up for these podcasts. Where do they go so, and how do they yeah. do it? So, again, there's a few different ways you could do it. Um, the easiest way, I suppose, and, and, and we like this because that will get you to visit our website, of course, is, is the documentarylife.com. The documentarylife.com is our website. Visit the website. You can see the topics that we talk about. You can check out the guests that we've had on the program. Um, you can read our blog now from there, um, and you can subscribe to the podcast or stream it directly from there. Of course, you can do Google searches. You can find us on iTunes. Simply search the Documentary Life or Documentary Podcast, I suppose. Pardon me. And Stitcher and, and again, any number of the apps that are out there. I think at this point we've been going strong enough, and we sort of have built our, I guess not to use you know, that cheesy technology, but our, our SEOs, I guess, have, have built up in such a way that if you Googled documentary podcast, we would most likely pop up. But um, yeah, just search the documentary life and, and, and you'll find us and you can subscribe to us from there. Okay, wonderful. Now let's get into the Documentary Academy. What is this this venture? It's an online course that's made specifically for documentary filmmakers by documentary filmmakers. So you say it's a place to plan, fund, make, and share (laughs) one's film. So, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Right, right, right. Um, You know, the Documentary Academy, Carol, is very much, I think it's been a natural sort of evolution from what in many ways we've been developing here through the podcast for the last two years. And and it's really intended for it, it, honestly, it's intended for any doc filmmaker, um, whether you're new or, or you know, inexperienced or you have documentaries to your name, because what it is, is it's a platform where you would go. It's an online platform course 
um, that's essentially built up for, you know, it's, it's for someone who views documentaries as more than simply a creative endeavor. It's, it really gives you a business approach to doc filmmaking. And so it's somewhere that you would go to, um, you know, it's where you would go if you wanted to, again, you know, plan, fund, make, and share your documentary film. There's 30-plus video tutorials up there, you know, 20-plus action plans and worksheets, uh, over 10 hours of content, including live webinars with guests that we have on the program, um, a, a few actually who you know yourself, Carol. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, it's just been this wonderful evolution from the podcast, and we encourage people, you know, we, we are building it out as we speak. Um, it's really just about finished, and we're, we're set to open up here in about two weeks' time. You'll see, if you were to go to thedocumentaryacademy.com now, you'd see a holding page there, and, it's, and you could sign up for notifications for as soon as we go live, you know, with the Documentary Academy, and, and then we'll notify you at that point. Okay, great. So you you say you have live webinars where you had guests on and you were talking about things that are educational? Right, right. Um, we most recently had on, on, on Maury Warshawski. I don't know if you've had him on the program. I feel like you probably have. Certainly you know more. Yeah. yeah. Yes, so Maury came on and he talked, you know, extensively about the importance of really, you know, outlining things like your val- your core values and, and your mission statement and how this very much aligns you not only with building an audience for your for your films, but also with the potential funders that you would want to work with and who would be interested in funding your documentary films. We also had on uh, Patty Bird from the UK. Patty runs an online course called Inside the Edit. Patty's been working as a professional editor in, in – uh, in broadcast television for and documentary for over 20 years. And he has this fabulous inside the edit uh, uh, to, uh, uh, online course. And so we had him on um, really talking about uh, editing and um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been, it's been a lot of work. Again, it's an evolution from the podcast and we continue to build it out. But um, again, we believe in this idea of having a platform where people can go to take actionable worksheets and take courses and, and really learn to plan fund and distribute their films, documentary films. Okay. This sounds wonderful. So now is this, uh, is this also uh, available to those who have signed up for the podcast? I mean, will they automatically be subscribed or they have to go separate here? Right. So you would have to go separate. It's, it's of course, it's, it, it is, it is a paying course. And so it would be separate from, from the podcast in that you would, you know, go to the documentaryacademy.com and you would sign up from there. And then um, you would pay a one-time fee, which is what we offer. We actually had pivoted from, we were uh, a membership site just prior, well, prior to this sort of incarnation. And we felt that the need for something that's more, um, more sort of educational and more geared towards really walking people through sort of the business aspects of, of, um, of planning and funding and creating their doc films. That's hence really going away from the membership site platform to this, um, this very, this, uh, this course, this online course that you would take. So you, if you pay a one fee, it is, it's and a, it's you, a, and it's you a, have everything there that you can download at your, time that is right. your own time and convenience right that's, that's wonderful right. It's, it's, yeah absolutely it's a one-time fee and then you have 
uh, access to the to the website for the you know really lifetime at that point. Good. Um, so you've answered a lot of questions. So it must be full of information. I, I was wondering how long it is, but I guess you, you must have hours of information on there. We do. Uh, I mean, it's it's really at this point it's over. I think I think it's over thirty. Well. It's over, I would say, 10 hours of content at this point, and it's continuing to build. Now, those hours, those are, those are accrued from the live webinars we've had as well as the video tutorials. We've had over 30-plus video tutorials. We cover, you know, the sort of the onset of the idea, and then we help you formulate that idea, your elevator pitch, film proposal, putting together a budget. You know, we have fundraising strategy that we share with you. We, of course, talk about grants and we walk you through the grant writing process. Crowdfunding is a big thing. Funding in general with individual donors. And then we move on to what your distribution strategy is, what your online presence is, building a niche audience, and then partnerships after that. Oh, wonderful. My gosh, that's fabulous. Thank you so much. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay, I'll definitely go (laughs) sign up because I don't care who you are. If you think you know it all, wait wait five minutes. You don't. Things change in this industry. (laughs) Well, and that's just it. You know, one thing I want to say is, you know, even if if you're not – if you're, even if you're not interested in something like the Documentary Academy, I'm absolutely fine. What I would encourage you to do is check out our podcast. It's free. There's, we have incredible guests on the program. We talk about so many different types of talk, topics that are spot-on applicable and very valuable to you if you're a document, doc filmmaker or even if you're an in, independent filmmaker who wants to get into features. Check out The Documentary Life. I think it is well worth your time. It's a podcast that, uh, that you can grow to love for sure. Got it. I just thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Just tell us one more time, The yeah. Documentary Life dot com that's the website address it is the documentary dot the documentary life dot com is the is the url for the podcast and then if okay. you wanted to sign up for notification for the academy you would go to the documentary dot com got it all right thank you thank you for what you're doing i am speaking for all those like the documentarians out there who are just like uh, you know that that film that said feed me feed me they yeah. We need information. We want to know who's doing what and how they did it and how we can do it. So that's what you're giving us. It's wonderful. Well, well and you know what? I, I, could, I, can, I can see that every bit as much, if not more, for you as well, Carol. And one thing we haven't mentioned on the show is, is that, that, Carol, you were on the documentary life yourself. Uh, it was four oh, or five episodes yes. ago. It was episode yes. 69. It was and, so much fun. Thank I was going to say, tell us, how, how was the experience for you? Oh, it was marvelous. You know, I had notes all over my computer, on my desk and everything. And then when you started asking me questions, I couldn't find the notes. So I just had to start talking. And I ended up coming up with stuff I hadn't remembered in years. And I had so much fun. And it's, it's like a historical piece for me because yeah, you let yeah. me talk about getting started in the film industry and all of the things that I really love and how I got to where I am. So thank you for that. 
<laughs> yeah, it's great. I great. I, I love talking with you. It, it's uh, I would encourage people to check out that episode, if nothing else. It was episode number 69 of the documentary life. And um, I loved thank having you. that conversation with you, Carol. It was great. Oh, thank you. That was wonderful. Well, we really appreciate your being on here. And I hope you'll come back in six or seven months and tell us what's happening with the Academy and oh, the I documentary too. life, too. You better believe it. Thank you so much for having me, not only on the program, Carol, but I want to thank you personally for what you do. Um, I, I may have said this in the podcast episode that you were on for me, that that in, in, in this instance, your book, The Art of Film Funding, it's one of the Bibles for doc filmmakers. It's why we had you on the program ourselves. And uh, I very much enjoyed the conversation then, and I very much enjoyed the conversation today. It's been an honor to, to have you on our program and then for me to be on, on what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yes, it's been wonderful. Thank mm. you very much for all you're doing. Claire, thank you for the great show. Oh, yes. Thank you. And, yes, I and Chris, thank you as well. that's thank a good you so work. Much, Claire. Uh, right. <laughs> thank you. Claire and Carol, I love what you guys are doing with this show. So great work yourselves. Thank you. Lots of good luck to you. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Be well, everyone. Thank you. Now, Bye-bye. in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice. Fair use successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.